Hi folks, Darren Shepard here, host of 709 Watershed. On this episode, we have Frank Skeer, counselor with Halibut First Nation, member of the Gandern Area Chamber of Commerce, and district ecosystem manager for forest management within the provincial government. A man of great knowledge, love for the environment, and his culture. On 709 Watershed, another episode coming towards you quick and fast. I'm your host, Darren Shepard, in the hot seat. He's actually driving when he's on recording here right now, so he actually is in the hot seat. It's Frank Scared. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Oh, not too bad. Glad I'm in my truck, not inside. It's pouring. Uh, Frank, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, because obviously you're on the show you got to have something about you that's kind of special or unique. So tell listeners who you are. Uh, well, I guess I, I don't usually answer that question, so it's a, it's a little bit of a different one for me. But I guess uh, my name is Francis here. Um, I often go by Frank. Um, I'm, uh, uh, I work for the provincial government now for 30-odd years as a, in a variety of roles in the forestry sector. Currently, I'm a district ecosystem manager for the area of Gambo, Gander, Lewisport. Um, I'm also uh, quite involved in the volunteer sector. I, uh, I volunteer with the Halibut First Nation. I'm, a, I'm actually a counselor um, with the elected council. And I guess um, also uh, I, uh, I started a not-for-profit with a, with a family member, my daughter, a, a few years ago. We, we affectionately call it Kira. Um, and it's, uh, it, it, it really does, uh, uh, grassroots, uh, indigenous cultural revival, uh, training and the like, uh, a lot of, uh, hands-on learning and stuff like that. And I guess, uh, most recently, I guess, um, uh, we saw a need in Gander and area, uh, for a family resource center, uh, so the Crossroads Family Resource Center, uh, took several years to get developed, but it opened about eight months ago. That's going very well here in Gander. We have a satellite in Glenwood and Appleton. Uh, all that's doing well. And I guess um, uh, most recently, I guess I've been asked to kind of help out with a with a um, a, uh, a grassroots revival of a of a special place on, across uh, the southern part of Gander Lake, a place called Charlie's Place. So we've been uh, doing some stuff there, just uh, helping out and seeing uh, seeing how we can make sure that. Some special places are uh, are actually just left for uh, let just left for uh, left to to develop as nature intended. So I guess that's me. So so basically, you're a very busy man and basically very interested in in your culture and nature itself. Absolutely, and you know, let, let's uh, let's not kid ourselves. We're all very you know we have our families, uh, we have our volunteers, we have our work. And the and the juggling of it is what sometimes just gets uh, gets interesting because you know if uh, if my wife wasn't very supportive of my uh, my uh, you know basically like tonight I said uh, we were out mushroom picking and I said uh, I gotta uh, do a, a little interview at uh, at seven o'clock it wasn't in the blink the only comment was was uh, text me when you're home <laughs> you know and uh, but I got I got a couple of daughters. Uh, uh, and a granddaughter that uh, we enjoy spending time with, and so yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting and busy, so pretty cool. Okay, so you you touched on Kira there and, and what you do there. So just let let's tell the listeners now a little bit more about Kira. Like I said, you came up with it with your daughter, 
And yep. what kind of stuff does Kira um, get its hands into? Well, I guess we, we predominantly focus in on um, whatever the community ask, has been asking for, for, uh, say, Mi'kmaq uh, or Indigenous uh, skills development. So it could be someone could uh, be interested in learning how to bead uh, or learn how to uh, uh, make their own hand drums uh, or things of this nature. So generally, um, uh, my role there is to is to write up um, uh, proposals, submit it to a variety of, of funders, and, and try and receive some funding to uh, to be able to put off these types of things. Because at this point in time, we're still trying to do these things for no direct cost to the participant, because we don't want that barrier there. Uh, because there has been, you know, an issue over the years of, you know, if you had money, you could do this. If you didn't have money, you couldn't. And and uh, and so really, we don't really care if you could afford to uh, buy the materials or or to take a class in say traditional beading. Uh, what we care about is that you're interested and you're willing to learn and quite often give back in your own community. So is um, like like beading, for example, is that uh, open to? Everybody, or is just open to those with the Halapu or Mi'kmaq or something? Like what we what we do is uh, is that we do focus in on uh, on people um, in Central Newfoundland. We we have a I guess we have a kind of like a rule of thumb that we go by that uh, that uh, we always uh, have a couple of seats where possible for virtual. We always have a couple of seats for members of the Halapu First Nation. We always have a couple of seats for generally indigenous people, and we always have a couple of seats for allies. Um, and uh, and so, quite often, our our active our our sessions are fairly diverse because, you know, you may have a person there that that is a member of Hollow First Nation that has been uh, a certain amount of knowledge and and teachings in in, in cultural activities. Then you may have someone there that's uh, that's just interested in learning these types of hands-on skills. They may have uh, an interest in learning about indigenous culture. So. A lot of times, the teaching happens within the within the group, along with what we're teaching them to do. So it's that inter inter community support. So to answer your question, is there is a priority on Indigenous people, but it's not an exclusiveness on Indigenous people. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and do you get a lot of uptake uh, from from members uh, of the community? Like, is is it getting? Uh, like I said, this is fairly new, or or last year yeah, or two. Yeah. Is, is you, are yeah. you getting a lot of participants? We generally do get very, uh, very good uptick. Uh, I guess we're, we're kind of on a little bit of a lull right now, uh, because of some of the same volunteers for, uh, with the Crossroads Family Resource Center as with Kira. Uh, not all, but some. And so, uh, you know, we just kind of, the focus was on getting, uh, Crossroads up and running. So we have been on a little bit of a lull, especially summertime, but there's a few scheduled for the fall. Like the fall, we have a, uh, a, um, a, a, a we call it the Gander Mushroom Foray in September. That's a really popular one, and uh, and we're planning a couple of uh, uh, beading sessions and birch bark quill work. Uh, those things are generally very popular because a lot of them you don't have to be face to face. You get more out of it face to face, but you don't have to be face to face. So you you kind of you get that diversity, you know. And we almost always get people that are from um, outside the area, and I guess the one other that we're uh, that we're planning is a uh, something we've been running now since COVID. It's uh, fireside chats with a uh, with a young knowledge keeper at Escazoni. 
So that's completely virtual. He's virtual uh, in Eskazoni, and uh, and anywhere you have a reliable internet connection, you can sign on. So long as you're uh, you uh, pay appropriate respect to the indigenous culture, you're welcome. So in those there, it's, it's a very diverse uh, one, and that that has really good uptake. And if more people want information, they can simply look up. I know you got a Facebook page because I I'm yep. on it. Uh, yep. And is there any other way to to get a hold of you or get a hold of? Uh... Well, we we do use uh, we use the social media threads because to be fair, there's no real cost to have the social, uh, Facebook page. But there's also an email address there, and uh, and it's really the name, which is uh, Kikamak K I K M A N A Q at hotmail dot com. So you can reach out to us through that or through a Facebook message. Great. This segment of the Seven O Nine Watershed Podcast is sponsored by Town of Gander offering first-class accommodations, entertaining special events, and our own unique aviation heritage. Gander is known as the welcoming town at the center of the Broadway musical Come From Away. The town of Gander offers a range of cultural and recreational opportunities, making a perfect base for exploring the spectacular natural beauty of Newfoundland's Kittiwake Coast. Visit us at www.gandercanada.com or follow us on Facebook at Town of Gander. Supplement King Canada's number one sports nutrition retailer. Locally owned and operated, they exist to help fuel your goals. Stop by the store on Torbay Road or visit saltmcking.ca for next day delivery or free local store pickup. Amy's Place. Located within Carter's Gas Bar in Pound Cove, Amy's Place provides eat-in or take-out options for your favorite home-cooked meals. Try our famous Barber's Chicken or our Monster Burger if you dare. After all, happiness is a full belly. Call us to reserve a table or place an order at 536-5551. Now, you've touched on your counselor with the Halapu First Nation, and you represent the Glenwood Ward. Um, How did you get involved with that? Because you're in your third term now, is that correct? Uh, Yes, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So how did you get involved with with getting on council? Well, I guess really there was a there was a woman, uh, uh, Marie Vaders. Uh, she's commonly referred to as Chief Marie Vaders uh, of the at the Glenwood Indian Band Council. And sometimes that gets a little confusing, but uh, but that's one of the original nine uh, bands uh, of the Federation of Land Indians that helped form Halibut First Nation. And basically, um, she was one of the ones there that actually was a member of Malibuki First Nation commonly referred to as Con River. So she couldn't run for Halibut because she wasn't a member of Halibut. So she uh, uh, knew that I was uh, interested in getting involved in, uh, in I guess I'll call it governance of the Halibut First Nation, and, and we had a few conversations, and, uh, and I guess I decided at that time to, to put my name forward, and, uh, and I guess that was uh, one, of the, one of the times when um, uh, you know, there was a, a, a competitor, so there was a a fairly good campaign all across the the area and uh, and lots of conversations and uh, and I guess I was successful in that uh, that election. And what are some of the positions you you hold within the uh, the council? Because I do know you have you're on a couple of committees and whatnot. Uh, I guess currently I chair uh, the finance and audit committee, uh, which has been uh, fairly challenging because of uh, its uh, Halloween is a is a growing organization, so we're uh, you know. We kind of started off with a with a with a paper ledger, and now we're pretty much all completely electronic. Uh, with a, with uh, you know the pretty much uh, if there's if there's a computer program 
that can make our systems faster, cheaper, easier to audit, easier to process payments. We're, we're willing to look into it. So that's, we've just recently rolled out a, a major computer upgrade like that. Uh, because even we're suffering, uh, with the same as many others that, uh, that just a simple processing of documentation, uh, is slow. And so then members, like say, it could be simple, uh, reimbursement for, for, for travel for medical reasons and things of this nature it just takes weeks and it be just deemed not acceptable. So that's one of the ones that I do. I'm also, uh, I guess I'm, I'm involved with the Federation of Newfoundland Indians, uh, because we still have that entity for one and only purpose, which is to conclude the enrollment process. So I've been involved in that now for some time. Uh, and I guess I also, uh, I, um, I sit as a member of MAMCA, and I refuse to say the name of that because it's a big, long, big my name, and, uh, and, and I'm challenged at the best of time with that, but it's, it's commonly referred to as MAMCA, and it's, uh, it's one of the Aaron bodies, which you probably know of, and it's, uh, it focuses in on uh, inland fish, uh, management activities, and it's, uh, it's an organization between Halibut First Nation and Malibu First Nation. So that's basically uh, most of the activities on that these days. Now, for listeners who are kind of like wondering, I mean, Halibut First Nation and, and the council that you're on, it's it's kind of like being on a town council, but yet yours kind of spread out over a general area is that is that how we're is that the best way to describe it well or? Well, I, well i guess to be fair i i try not to kind of draw any connections to any um uh you know say canadian style governance uh, it is an indian act ban so we do have some of the similar you know there's an elected chief vice chief uh, nine counselors, things of this nature. But at the same time period, uh, you know, we, we, we are very scattered. You know, uh, we have membership all across the island. We're almost 25,000 members. Our wards go from Glenwood in the, in the east to Flat Bay in the, in the west. Um, many of our members live in around Port of Port, Stephenville, Cornerbrook, Benoit's Cove, those types of things. Uh, but at the same time period, we have members like all through uh, the area of central Newfoundland. And, and, you know, uh, you know, we do have, uh, significant governance structures and we meet, um, uh, every two months to deal with, uh, matters of governance and, uh, and to deal with things at, at a, at a policy and strategic level. Um, and then we have a bureaucracy, you know, we have a, we have a band manager, we have a, a series of directors, we have staff, we have, uh, uh, those types of things, and they implement the, the plans as approved by the by Halibut. And everything revolves, and why I guess I, I try to say we don't necessarily, uh, there's no real comparison in, in, say, the colonial system, is because we are really member-driven, okay? Uh, like most First Nations bands, we live and breathe what our membership asks of us. Sometimes we can't do what the membership wants just because we don't have the, the the authority or the resources. But at the same time period, that is our mandate. So while everybody that's elected kind of reflects back to those that elect them, uh, uh, a First Nation band, you know, really does have to live and breathe uh, the membership. So it's almost as if it's a nonprofit because I almost got a, my board tells me, send me what to do. And I have yep. to act upon that. This is kind of yep. that version, except yep. just in a much big, bigger, I mean, 25,000 people yeah. is a, is a, yep. it's a in, city in Newfoundland Labrador. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it's probably, if you want to try and help people understand what it's more like, it is probably more like a a grassroots um, not-for-profit that uh, that is governed uh, to serve the needs of those that uh, that uh, that created it. I, I think that's a very good way to 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 tell people how it works. I, th- I agree with that totally. Um, and like you said, with with it growing now to a size of twenty five thousand, and I guess there's still a lot of paperwork and, and applications. I mean. It's probably going to get bigger in the next six to twelve months. Is that correct? Well, well, it may. Uh, what will happen in the next uh, next period of time? I guess there is a couple of outstanding issues, like there's a uh, veterans and, uh, and and service members such as RCP and that have just been uh, given the latitude to reapply uh, based on uh, um, if they had failed uh, their application tied to um, uh, community acceptance. So there will be some uh, up. Uh, increases there. Uh, we are continuing to discuss with the government of Canada an issue tied to those that remember that of the Federation entities that were unsuccessful in the application. We really don't know how that's going to pan out. Um, and and I guess the biggest single one that I always try and remind everybody is that once Halibut First Nation became uh, well became a First Nation, we went on Indian uh, Indian Registrar. So there's a bunch of rules then separate to becoming a member of Halibut that you may become a status Indian attached to a band such as Hell, such as Hell First Nation. So, like, you know, if uh, if um, my two daughters, um, well, I guess just to, just to say an average member uh, was a member of Hell First Nation, it matters if they had children who were not members of Hellaboo through the application process, they may be able to become a member through the Indian Act registrar process if they qualify, and which is generally you need to have uh, one parent of a certain classification, uh, or two parents of a of a similar or lesser classification. So there is a possibility that that that's happening. So you know, like say if a if a, if a founding member of Halibut had a child, that child would become a member of Halibut through the Indian Registrar. So it get, like till Halibut's negotiation uh, application and uh, and uh, and membership piece gets resolved. There will be those two parallel processes going on, which which can be confusing. Confusing, but really, we don't accept any new applicants right now, except for those couple of processes. Okay, and fair enough. Like you said, there is a process, and it does take time. And yeah, and, and like you said, just just if, if if you want to get in the line, get in the line, and and, and go from there. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. This segment of the Seven Hundred Nine Watershed Podcast is sponsored by Town of Indian Bay. The sports fishing capital of Bonavista North and the proud home of Indian Bay Ecosystem Corporation. Visiting historic Greens Pond? Make sure you include a stop of one of the shore's favorite spots. A beautiful tea room in a saltbox house that dates back 160 years. Ida's Place. Walk back in time while viewing whales from the deck as you enjoy a hot cup of coffee or see icebergs while savoring one of Heather's famous cinnamon buns. Make Ida's Place your place. First lane on the right after you cross the causeway. Check out Otis Place on Facebook or call 709-424-2005 for more details. Town of Centerville, Wareham, Trinity. Follow us on Facebook or on our main website at townofcwt.com. Hub of the North, the star of Greenspond. Visit us for a grand meal as you watch the whales from our deck. Thinking about staying in Greenspond? Why not stay with us in our beautiful new suites? 
For more information on bookings and our menu, please like and follow Hub of the North on Facebook. You're the District Ecosystem Manager for Forest Management, Districts 4, 5, 6, and 8 within the provincial government. Correct. What does that mean? What do you do? Well, I guess the best way I put it is that my role is to develop four five-year annual operating plans, a five-year plan, and subsequent annual operating plans. The five-year plan gets uh, goes through environmental assessment, and once released for environmental assessment, it's my job to implement that plan in annual increments. In parallel to that is that I'm responsible for all administration uh, of staff that uh, that implements that plan. So uh, to some extent, that you know, uh, that that's everything as it is within the context of provincial government. So like I don't. I don't hire people, but I'm involved in hiring. I don't discipline people, but I'm involved in discipline. I don't uh, pay people, but I approve their their pay. Uh, so that's how you know it, it works. So at the local level, it's my job to ensure that people um, are effective, people are safe, people are efficient, people are accountable uh, in those districts. So uh, I'm uh, I'm one of the few district managers that are in because government has done. Uh, a flatter, leaner piece to to become more more responsive to uh, to their citizens, and uh, and so it's a much more faster uh, route into uh, into the political arm. So, really, that's uh, that's the district ecosystem manager job. And you also deal with, I guess, like tree planting. You'll you'll know what's going on here in regards to how many yep. trees where they're going yep. and whatnot. Yep. So so that's all under the annual under the annual operating plan, like uh, road building, tree planting. Um, uh, fire suppression, harvesting, um, data collection. We support some other provincial programs, uh, such as insect and disease surveys, uh, and even fire, I guess, to some extent, even though we do have our own fire staff. Uh, but the fire group, uh, intersupports each other because it just, you can't have enough. Um, you know, as it seems like right now, we have staff on deployment to the Yukon. Um, and, uh, and this past summer we, de- we deployed staff within the province and outside the province. So, so yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess last year, uh, since I, I've known you for a while, I mean, last year you were running ragged with, with forest fires and, and stuff and, Absolutely. and, and you were, yeah. and you were dealing with that pretty much 24 or seven. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's the nature of the beast uh, and that type of stuff. And say the same thing when the fall comes now, there'll be a lot more issues with big game hunting. We support, uh, Say things like uh, replacement moose licenses and things of this nature, so that can get really busy. And the same thing, regrettably, when you get nuisance animal issues, uh, you know, bears in communities or or uh, moose struck on the highway, that takes a, a fair amount of time and energy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's switch gears again. Uh, you're a director of the Gander and Area Chamber of Commerce, who actually yes, who actually gave us an award two or three years ago. I forget what it was. I think it was two years ago yeah. uh, for our environmental role here in, in, in the area. Um, as a director, what is it that you do with the chamber and why did you decide to actually put yourself forward to join the chamber? Well, well, I guess there was a couple of reasons. Um, uh, one is that while I feel the chamber, the Gannonier Chamber of Commerce is a very progressive, well-run organization, I felt that there was a couple of gaps that I felt I had a, a certain natural talent to help with. One is that I think that they weren't taking as much advantage of the not-for-profit sector uh, and the importance of that in the business community. 
Um, so I try to be a, a voice for that. Um, also, um, while there was not any kind of you know discrimination or anything on the indigenous file, I felt that that was also gap a, a gap, and I felt that you know the chamber of commerce could really benefit by building an allegiance with organizations such as Hello First Nation. Um, and, and, and to a large extent, we've done that. And, you know, just minor little things like, you know, uh, the chamber always opens its meeting now with a land acknowledgement. And a lot of people kind of question the value of that, but I think that that just reminds us all that we are on unceded Mi'kmaq territory. Um, and we're not talking, you know, the political issues of that or the legal issues of that, but it is a given that, uh, that, that, the majority of Newfoundland, uh, Mi'kmaq people have been here since time of world. There's no, they were never a conquered people. Um, and, and we need to remember that, uh, that, you know, you're kind of uh, here on someone else's, uh, traditional territory. And with your, with your culture, of course, I mean, you joined because of the, that, that aspect, but you also joined because, I mean, you are involved in the business community, you're involved in government, you are sure. a very well-rounded individual, so you would have knowledge to, to bring to the table and, and assist with any decisions or, or how they operate, not on a day-to-day basis, but Correct. overall through business community in, in the Gander and area. Correct, yep. Yeah, that is true. And, and, but, you know, I really do try and focus in on, like, especially like, you know, uh, the not-for-profit sector. Uh, and it's the, some of the conversations we're having now is how can we ensure really good representation of that sector? Um, how many are out there that are not members of the chamber? Why not? What can we do to, to, uh, to improve that representation? Uh, it's those types of things. And, uh, the, the, the board, and uh, and the uh, chairperson is uh, is very supportive of that uh, Brad Eisen with his name. This segment of the 709 Watershed Podcast is sponsored by Laurel Guesthouse. When looking to stay in Indian Bay, consider Laurel Guesthouse, a three-bedroom bungalow with laundry and kitchen facilities, Wi-Fi, and many other amenities. Conveniently located on Main Street. Its location provides quick access to Indian Bay River for salmon fishing and major trail systems for ATV and snowmobile usage. Visit Laurel Guest House on Facebook or Airbnb to book your stay today. Hair Bay Adventures. Do you want to hike along the rugged coastline? Take a rowboat out to one of our many islands. Maybe fishing for trout or salmon is your thing. Visit our storefront for a chat, coffee and cinnamon bun. Or contact Hair Bay Adventures to make your adventure happen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hair Bay Adventures, or visit our website at hairbayadventures.com. Town of New West Valley, proud sponsor of the 709 Watershed Podcast. Together steering a new course. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or our website at www.townofnewestvalley.ca to explore all that we have to offer. What are some of your personal beliefs when it comes to uh, the environment, fisheries management, nature as a whole. Because I know, and, and the listeners here, I mean, you deal with um, fish resources management, uh, river guardians. Uh, you deal with hunting, fishing, and stuff like that. You, you you have your own beliefs that are not connected to, I guess, any hierarchy. <laughs> if we say, uh, that. I think that's a, the, the fair statement to say with all of that is that. 
Um, I think that personal values often ebb and flow uh, over time. Uh, and sometimes that time is short and sometimes it's long. Um, and I often look back on what I looked upon as an accepted, you know, uh, way of, uh, of, of hunting, fishing, things of this nature. Um, and, and, you know, to some extent, it all goes back to, um, you know, I see nothing wrong with, let's use the word taking what one needs and leaving the rest. Uh, but I also see the, the issue of the tragedy of the commons and someone feels that if I don't take it, someone else is going to. So to a large extent, I guess, uh, I try and, and l- do what I think is right for myself, for my family, for my community, uh, and, and live by example. And in parallel to that, you know, you, re- you reference things like the River Guardians and, and enforcement things. I truly believe that uh, that modest enforcement is a is a very useful tool to remind the general citizens that uh, that the natural environment uh, needs someone to be their kind of their voice or their protector. Because if there's not, I think humans somewhat take advantage. Um, just like if you didn't think there was a police car on the highway, I think that you would drive faster than you would if you thought there was a police car. Now there are many people that would uh, drive. Uh, post the speed limit, but there's many that that needs that little bit of reminder that uh, these rules and laws are there for a reason. I think it's a similar thing in a natural environment. I think we need modest enforcement. We need respectful um, uh, uh, adherence to to laws by the general citizens. And so, you know, like uh, as we move forward, I, I've come to see that that uh, the general the the natural environment probably can't handle as much uh, uh, utilization by humans as I thought it could. I think the natural environment is much more um, uh, space that can give back in, in many ways that a lot of us don't. You know, walking in the woods for me now has become as important as grouse hunting did when I was a teenager. Um, I very rarely uh, do consumptive recreation. I have what I would call non-consumptive. Well, I suppose I still have some impact, but I would, I would think that I would have a less impact on a gross population that walks down and I just observe a gross with his chicks than I would if I, you know, uh, harvested uh, it, it for supper. I don't question uh, those that choose to do that, and I sometimes do. But I think that as I change, I'm, I'm, my interest is more along the lines of trying to ensure that the natural environment is definitely uh, here for those that are coming be, be after us. So, oh, that was a hard question. You're good. That was good. Um, <laughs> Charlie's place. I, I know that's dear Charlie's to your heart. Place. So, yeah, so what is because so, that. You know, to some people that almost, you know, they're like, what's Charlie's Place? That sounds like a restaurant or something. What is that? So, well, so what know, is Charlie's, Charlie's Place? Pla- Charlie's Place is a is an area bounded by the Gander Lake, Northwest Gander, Southwest Gander. And then there's a road that crosses that has been used as a bit of a, a, a boundary to, to, to help people that are trying to explain it. So it's a it's an area that's bounded by, uh, by water, by uh, deep water, fast water. And I think that the water has really affected the the climate there. I think it has a microclimate of a very high moisture content, 
very, I'll, I'll go say wet, warm winters is deep snow country, uh, things of this nature. It is an area of, uh, of in each valley, it's a very rich area uh, in the sense of soil. There's great big trees. Pretty much every tree that grows there is large. There's some of the largest maples that I've ever seen, some of the largest taller and tallest uh, aspen that I've ever seen in this province, uh, some of the largest, tallest uh, spruce trees that I've ever seen. Uh, I've never ever seen uh, lichens up in the canopy like I've seen dripping down for uh, you know a meter or two. Um, it's uh, it's been shown now to have areas of significant uh, 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 presence of rare and threatened species, um, things of this nature. On top of that, it's an area that uh, that has been used by the indigenous people of the area forever. Um, and, uh, and to a large extent, it is a special place for the enigma of this area. So, but now Charlie is Charlie Francis, who was a enigma that came here from Picto Lining. And that was his trapping winter area. Uh, and he ended up settling down in Gander Bay and people like you probably know Calvin Francis is a direct descendant of him. So that's Charlie's place. I did not. I actually, I, I didn't know the full story. Now I know the full story, and I know, and I know Calvin, and, and he is a wonderful man himself. Hundred percent. And I guess I can see where if he got it from his father. So there you go. Yeah. Um, now you're also dealing with uh, environmental causes in Charlie's place. I know we've worked on or tried to get some yep. from projects on the go in there yep. and, and promotional aspects of it, getting things better yep. and stuff. Um, did you want to tell the listeners about some of that or? Well, I guess uh, there probably what I would like to highlight is that um, there's a grassroots organization based in Glenwood, and it's called uh, they call themselves the Francis Clan uh, um, uh, and the like, and and some of them are Francis, some of them are Gillingham, some of them are are Hodges, and uh, and they've really been the eyes and ears of Charlie's Place for decades, and uh, and there's a younger crowd that is uh, taking the, up the torch these days. That is really great spokespersons for Charlie's Place, and and they've been working with uh, with the provincial government, uh, Cormac Fulton Paper, um, Newfound Gold, these types, to try and ensure that Charlie's Place remains as it is for future generations. And so they've uh, supported many different groups coming in, um, um, they, you know, uh, groups like Mon, uh, Birds Canada. Um, uh, provincial species at, at risk, biologists, people like this that are coming in and pretty much everybody that comes in finds something that they didn't think was there or it was a first in Newfoundland. So, you know, there's lichens that way, there's birds that way. Uh, there was a, uh, a bio blitz in the area that uh, uh, hasn't been released, so I'm not sure what the species are, but my understanding, there were some vascular plants that wasn't identified elsewhere in central Newfoundland, that was identified here. So it just seems to be that kind of an area. Um, like you say, it, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very diverse, very rich area. Uh, coming up to fall, most of those same groups are coming back again, just that they're coming back for longer. So what was a few hours in a day, or a couple of days is now going to be multi-days. And uh, and with the same model that they're going to look for more and things of this nature. 
And none of these uh, assessments have gotten down into the river valleys because the river valleys are hard to get to. So as those are the places where you have very large islands with very large birch, very large maples, or in Setwas River where you got these uh, deltas that are just a meter, say, above water of solid, silty loam soil with like really large uh, maples. And these are species that lichens like to use as hosts, uh, that birds like to use as hosts, things of this nature. So we expect that uh, uh, if we can get down into river valleys this fall, which is the goal, uh, we'll also be able to document some other um, uh, species of special concern, if not Cosa Um Is this area part of a conservation area by, by chance, or is it still, or, or is there a talk Not at it? this point. Is there, talk, is there talk of going that way or doing it or having uh, There is a, the, the Charlie, the Francis clan, uh, not to speak for them, is having dialogue with Wirak. And I think that there is discussion on creating an emergency reserve to be able to under, uh, collect data to, to determine should it be a uh, Wirak candidate site. But that's not really my knowledge base. Well, fair enough. But, uh, but like I said, from what you're ex- explaining, this sounds like a, a once in a lifetime location. Yeah, this would this would be prime. This is this is exactly what yeah. these areas yeah. are made for. But to be fair, Darren, like you know, there's groups like Ducks Unlimited has it is very quietly uh, the owner of one of these islands up there that was donated to them from a from a land ownership of long ago. I think it was a farm, and they donated it ducks, uh, and they're just managing it for duck habitat. So it's, these are the types of things that, that are all kind of piecing together uh, and, uh, and like so. Frank, I appreciate you doing this for me and for everyone listening. Uh, good luck with, with the counseling and the uh, you know, well, the provincial government because I know you're going to retire soon. So uh, you're, uh, yeah. good luck with that as well. Yeah, yeah it's, been, it's, been 30, it's been 32 and a half years now, so it's been – Provincial government has been very good to me, and uh, and I, I hope that I've been uh, a, a loyal public servant, which uh, which has been the goal for uh, for pretty much all my adult life. So, uh, you've done a good job, my friend. You did a good job. We thank Frank for taking the time to join us on Seven Hundred Nine Watershed. As always, bookmark us on your favorite podcast app or catch all of our shows on our website at IndianBayEcosystem.com. For Caning Stag and Paul Vinson, I'm Darren Shepard. Until next time, take care. Take care.